Congratulations. I'm so proud of you. I did it. You did it. Great job. All right. We did it. Got we did it, guys. <laughs> Woo! I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Engage. I'm the captain. I'm Captain Chase McKinney, and once again, we have Commander Eric in the house here at Lone Star Station. How are you, Commander Eric? I am doing awesome today. I am really great. I think I'm convinced of that. I am doing really great today. This has been a good day, been a good week, and I'm excited to talk here today with you. Yeah, buddy. All right. Well, folks, we are uh, basically a third of the way in. I think I can math today. We are 30% done because uh, you know there's three out of ten episodes where thirty percent done. That's just that's math, baby. That's math. That is math. I am the math professor, so I can tell you you are correct. You're you're gonna certify that that we are thirty percent done. I'm gonna give you a big check mark. Yeah. Which means correct. Yes, I love check marks. Is it green? Is it red? Is it blue? Is there a gold star involved? No gold stars, but always a red pen. Always a red pen. Alright. Always a red pen. Okay, so since you brought up red and I brought up green, I feel very uh, compelled to share a quick college story with you about green and red pens. Are you ready for this? Do it. Let's let's hear it. Okay, so I was taking, uh, I think it was like a U.S. history class at uh, U of M Flint, where you and I went, and um, I think the professor's name was Professor Bruce Rubenstein, or Rubenstein. Something like that. It's been it's been a long time since I took that class. Anyways, he was ridiculous with how he taught things, and he never gave us like you know multiple guess or uh, true false questions. It was all essay. He was a lover of blue book, lover of the blue book, and he said that we were never ever allowed to write in red. That was his color. And I, I'm 100% there. I hate when my students use red pen. Like, that's my pen that I can make marks when you're wrong. <laughs> well, here we go. It gets better. So I was taking this in the fall. It was a fall semester specifically when I took it. And he's like, you know, I don't like it when my students write in red pen. But, you know, I'm a Jewish man, but I'm okay with this holiday and Christmas season. So if you want to feel or help me feel a little bit more festive, you can write in a green pen in December when I start marking it up and I can start seeing some green and red all over your blue wait, books. Wait, wait, who the hell uses green pens for anything? I don't, I mean, bl blue and black. Those are the only two acceptable colors unless you're grading something. Then you can use red. I don't know, but I just thought it was kind of funny. No, <laughs> it is funny. It is funny. I just had to be like, who the hell uses green? <laughs> it's just wrong. That's just wrong. Oh, man. Well, anyway, so that's the story about the green and the red pen and history class for yours truly. No, I did not ever write in green pen for one of my history exams, but he encouraged it, I guess, for the other students. And I guess people some people did and it, they weren't as you know having a, as much of a holly jolly 
Christmas season or holiday season um, after that that particular class. So anyway, so um, like we were mathing earlier, we are we are uh, three episodes in. We're we're thirty percent of the way through uh, Star Trek Picard, and this is more or less the first act of of the show of this first season of of Star Trek Picard. And we've been able to kind of, you know, you, you guys have heard us react to at least the first two episodes, and we're certainly going to do that again with this third episode and kind of go from there. So um, this, just like the, the other two episodes, and we can certainly jump around like we have before, like the other episodes, we've, we've had flashbacks. Um, we've had a flashback once again in this one, just like we did in the preceding two, where we kind of start off seeing um, Admiral Picard, uh, four pip, full Admiral Picard, with Luke, uh, Lieutenant Commander Musiker at Starfleet HQ. So, uh, you want to talk about that scene for just a little bit, Eric? Yeah, I actually really enjoyed the introduction of Rafi in both the last episode and this episode. Mm-hmm. I think she's probably shaping up to be the most interesting of all of the new characters that the show has has given us. Um, so I actually, I really liked all these scenes with her. Yeah, I she's turning out to be uh, one of my favorites. And uh, I, I've got a, a, apart from Picard, okay, I'm taking Picard out of the equation. Obviously, yeah, right, but, obviously. But like with the, with the new characters, it's between her and one other person that uh, we'll get to a little later on. Uh, that I'm really enjoying, but I think I brought it up last time when I was asking you about like the uniforms when we were in um, Admiral Clancy's um, office, the CNC, uh, about like those uniforms. But I really like these uniforms, which were introduced in the Picard Countdown comic. Uh, I think even more than the ones that we saw in uh, basically 2399, the one that Clancy was wearing. No, I like these uniforms too. I think they. They're an interesting design. They're they're kind of sleek, right? And and I like them. And I will just say this here: the the very first time I was on the podcast with you, we were just talking in general about Star Trek, and um, you said we were talking about this show, and we said, "Hey, Picard's not in Starfleet, but would you ever want to see him in uniform in Star Star Trek Picard?" And I was like, "Well, if it makes sense, and I can definitely see." there being some kind of flashback episode early on where he's in uniform. So I just want to say I totally called that. Yes, you did. Well done, good sir. Right. I mean, it wasn't that big of a stretch, but I mean, I totally called it. That the the only time we would see him in one of these new uniforms was in a flashback scene. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and with him in that, I I really liked the dynamic of, of him and Rafi there you know, talking through the stuff that they were talking through. And I think I'd mentioned, oh, hmm, whenever the devil it was, it was fairly recently with a conversation you and I were having, uh, being concerned about the, there being a tonal shift between how that the, they are in the comic book and how they'll be in the show. Um, I don't know if that sounds familiar at all. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you kept, you, you mentioned how in the comic book, she refers to him as JL which she does here all the time. Yes, all the time. 
Okay, so let's talk about, let's just talk about that for a second. Um, you know, we see she kind of has a, a, a more laid-back attitude in regards to Picard, which he totally, she wouldn't, she wouldn't be referring to him as JL unless he allowed her to do that. If he said, no, that's not going to fly, you got to call me Admiral or Sir, then she wouldn't do it. So clearly he has some kind of laid-back relationship with her, totally different from anything we saw between him and Riker. Like, yeah. I don't think he would ever have allowed Riker to call him JL or anything like that. So what do you think about that dynamic? So it, it, was, a, uh, it was certainly a stark contrast. Maybe, maybe not a stark contrast, but just a contrast in general between, like you are saying, Riker and her. And... I think about Riker and and Picard and they were, you know, together on and off screen because we didn't see the full 15 years, but they were together for 15 years on the the, the two enterprises, right? And I, I I don't remember him ever having some kind of nickname or pet name or or, you know, term of endearment, you know, you know what I'm saying like for for Picard. Like, like yeah, we're seeing. I don't remember anything like that either. Like we're seeing with with Rafi, and if you think of the timeline, so this what was it? This uh, particular uh, moment, I think they said it took place fourteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would have been twenty three eighty five, and twenty three seventy nine was uh, when Star Trek Nemesis took place. If I'm keeping everything straight which sounds right that that sounds right to me yeah so if we're if we're kind of extrapolating it that way 2379 you know he's still a captain and then i'm i'm only assuming that he had just been promoted to some kind of admiral whether he was a a four pip admiral or not uh, he somewhere in six years he was okay with a a non-flag officer calling him JL. So six years versus 15 years, that's just kind of weird to me in in a way. I mean, it doesn't bother me. It's just kind of odd, I I suppose. No, it it is odd. And and maybe it has something to do with he's on a ship. I don't know if her and her and Rafi work together on a ship the way the way Riker and Picard did. So maybe maybe the idea is he needs to keep a level of uh, professional decorum to run the ship, you know, as tightly as he wants to, where if he's just, you know, at Starfleet headquarters, he can be a more little lax. Well, looking at at the the Picard Countdown comics, you can see, uh, I think it's, if it's not issue one, it's certainly issue two, that we see Rafi, and, like, one of the first boxes that she's in in the comic, she's saying... Uh, hey, what's up, JL, or, or something like that. So she's already greeting him um, as JL, and this is on the USS Verity. So the USS Verity was his his flagship, and if I read it correctly, even though she was still wearing yellow, she was, or gold, I'm sorry, uh, was his first officer on the Verity. So again, we have Riker's first officer, we have her's first officer, one for 15 years no nickname, one for six-ish or less years with a nickname. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's just, you know, something maybe he feels comfortable with, 
and clearly if he didn't feel comfortable with it he would shut it down yeah so i i've i've, I've seen a lot of people on like some reviews saying it's totally disrespectful for her to continue to refer to him as jl and not as admiral or sir and i'm just like no no it's not no i mean like i don't remember ever giving you a nickname you know when we were you know in scouts and and stuff uh, there were people that gave me nicknames like um like sean clayton uh he would call me chig and we had a mutual friend that we served together with in uh, the lodge, uh, Phil, and he got the nickname of Sunshine. And, Sunshine, yeah. Yeah, and because he looked like the dude from Remembering the Ti- Remember the Titans, with the long, blonde hair, basically, and, the long, gorgeous, flowing locks. Yeah, like all Farrah Fawcett, like you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, even 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 though we would call him Sunshine, you know, a lot. We didn't exclusively call him Sunshine, and it 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 seemed at times like we were just being inundated with the JL statement over and over and over again. And you just you don't do that in normal conversation. Like you might say the nickname one or two times, but then you just start using their regular name, like Phil or Jean Luc or Admiral Picard or whatever. Well, Jean-Luc and Admiral Picard are, are not as easy to say. Or sir. <laughs> or sir. You could just say sir. Yeah. But I, I think I think um, at the point we're in in the present timeline here, Rafi is not in a mental place to refer to him as sir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Anyways, I, I don't want it to seem like I'm I'm nitpicking because I'm I mean maybe I am, but um, it was a good scene. I love the uniform. I gotta own me one of those uniforms, one or both of them. No, sure, definitely, right. As soon as they they make a good good high quality one, I might pick one up myself. Boom, boom. Look at that, look at that. Yeah, I got my I have my uniforms around here somewhere. Well, they're probably in that closet in the other room or something but I need to find more occasions to wear mine though like if I'm gonna get one I need some justification to wear it more than just like once okay well right I'm not just gonna like go to work wearing a Starfleet uniform well you know this is not sponsored in any way but for anyone listening and you are in the Texas area or willing to drive to Texas there are going to be a ton there's going to be like a cargo bay full of star trek alum down at a convention in the san antonio texas area that i will be at so we got uh mm, jonathan frakes maria Sirtis, uh lavar burton uh gates mcfadden robert beltran yeah, yeah a lot yeah, of people you show you showed me the lineup for that and i was like that is a good lineup and <laughs> I would totally be going to that because, like, it's in San Antonio. That's where my brother and my mom, my mom live now. Yeah. So I'd be like, hey, let's just go down there. But that's, like, exactly the wrong weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Like- that's the only the only weekend I'm busy all summer long. <laughs> and just the two things I want to do are that exact same weekend. <laughs> Figures, doesn't it, right? <laughs> totally. I was going to... Um- Maybe I'll just ask your mom, like, hey, can I just 
live in your house that weekend? I'm sure she would say yes. <laughs> I don't want a hotel room. But. I'm my you could to, my mom would totally let you stay with her. Yeah, but sh- do you think she'll go to Michigan though? That's the thing. Oh, oh yeah, duh. Um, yeah, she wouldn't be there, would she? No. <laughs> Wait, I maybe you, that doesn't hurt to ask. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure she trusts you. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, uh, the we we learn in this in this opening scene that this this was the moment that Picard basically left Starfleet. That that the the powers that be weren't going to budge, and his last big dramatic bold thing that he was going to do was to say he'll he'll resign if they don't change their mind and they didn't change their mind and see you later bye picard yeah that was his his last desperate act yes right and he never thought that they would accept his resignation never ever ever never never thought that that they would but they did yeah and then what happens rafi gets a call into the cnc and we assume that she says she's getting fired, but like, is she just being moved to a different job? You don't think they're like kicking her out of Starfleet at that moment. You've got to think she chooses to leave on her own, right? Right, right. The, and you know, again, going back to Will Wheaton's The Ready Room, he interviews Michelle Hurt and talks about kind of some of the backstory. Um, about like the motivations of the character, how she kind of came up with you know her portrayal of the character, and talking about the importance of of representation for uh, you know biracial uh, people and stuff like that. Uh, her being um, half black and half white. So, and, and, but then not, but more than that, like this this substance thing where she was dealing with stuff and she was like her character was dealing with stuff prior to this and her parents were starfleet officers that kind of just left her alone so she was kind of figuring out her own path and by her figuring out her own path it got her into these vices and picard is the one that kind of helped pull her out of it and felt like you know he was inspiring her or motivating her to do better basically and we see later on in like the next scene they're back at her her trailer her residence whatever at Vasquez Rocks and she's vaping um, I think she's talking about like what was it um, snake weed or or something yes snake weed is what she says yeah and talking about about that how you know for a while she was doing really well and away from substance away from vices because she felt like what she was doing mattered and then the the person that was doing that for was basically walking out on her is how she interpreted that so i don't know like what did you think of that interaction as we go from you know from starfleet hq back to vasquez rocks okay i i love all of these scenes here between picard and rafi i think they're just done fantastically the only thing that i didn't like about them is that and the thing I didn't like about this episode is that we constantly jump from Earth to the Borg Cube, Earth to the Borg Cube, and back and forth, right? I wish we had stayed in each place for a little bit longer, 
right, without this constant jumping back and forth. Okay. But I absolutely love all of these scenes here with Rafi, right? Because I know that Star Trek has tried to create this world where we humans and the Federation is somewhat of an idyllic society, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where we work to this point where we're trying to better ourselves. And we're seeing, we're, we've seen the decline of Starfleet and the Federation for a long time in Star Trek, right? Going back to Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Insurrection, right? We've seen this decline of Starfleet from this huge idyllic entity that it's been. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the points that this show is trying to make, is that once, like, great societies can start to deteriorate over time. I don't if you agree with that or not. Yes, and I think we we start to see that decline uh, specific, like, I don't want to say subtly, but I don't want to say overtly. It's somewhere in that sweet spot when we're looking at the movie Star Trek Insurrection with Admiral Dougherty uh, specifically. I, I know through the shows we've always had this distrust of of admirals like kind of like you're pointing out when we had like the clancy discussion last week uh but we, we really see that front and center with admiral dougherty in insurrection with what he's trying to do where he's kind of operating in shades of gray where he's like it's not really a prime directive issue we're trying to benefit the federation but picard sees it completely the other way around and and then again in, in nemesis with how things are playing out in Nemesis and now it's being fully realized now 20 years later in Star Trek Picard. And I was reading something about, um, oh gosh, what was it? And this kind of connects to like later stuff too. So I might start jumping around a little bit, but, uh, Gene Roddenberry had an issue with smoking and vices in general being displayed on Star Trek, uh, talking about how, um, even he, as like a chain smoker, I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit, but even he, as a chain smoker, uh, fought hard to not have like a 20th, 21st century thing in a 23rd, 24th century setting. Again, going a step further with we've overcome that, we've overcome our vices. Right, and I guess, and I guess that is more to the point that I was trying to make here, is that we see we see Rafi in this scene, and she was somebody like you said who found her own way, and she had her issues, but then you know she found her path, found her calling, and then she feels like she was abandoned, right? And I think this is a real thing: is that people who dedicate themselves to their work. Right when that's taken away from them, they can start to, you know, fall apart as a person, right? And all of these bad habits and vices can come back. And I think that this is so real. And I think that's what I like about Rafi as a character. And I've seen a lot of criticisms online, just reading some people's comments that says like, "No way would anybody smoke or vape or do drugs in in this Star Trek universe. It's just it doesn't make any sense." And I'm like, "I think it does." Yeah. 
Well, and David Warner's character did it in The Final Frontier, for crying out loud, with smoking. If you, if you remember that. Like, he wasn't... I mean, he wasn't the Chancellor, but he was he was one of the delegates on Nimbus. Uh, Nimbus 3? Does that sound right? The Planet of Galactic Peace, basically, in the final in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, which most people don't pay much attention to because they think it sucks, and it's not great, They're, but it's not it's good. Not it's it, not great. It's, it's, it's not great, but it's not good. Those were the words that you just used. Yeah. It's, it's just like, meh, for me. Yeah, it's Star Trek Five is it, the first time you see it, it, it's bad. The second and third time you see it, you're like, yeah, it's not so bad. Kind of, yeah, that was my, that was my reaction anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can see wires on on Kirk in the cargo bay when there's a fight going on. <laughs> anyway, but we're not here to talk about these movies. We're not here to talk about. We're not here to talk <clears throat> about Star Trek Five. No, no. But there. But I guess my, my point is like we have we have evidence throughout that there has been. Like, there have been vices that we have had this um, decay that's happened, especially in recent Star Trek history, like with what I'm proposing with with insurrection leading up to this. And you're right. Like, it's a very it's a very now it's a very realistic perspective of what things could be and are uh, for when something is taken away and how you might have like this negative coping strategy right like with with smoking or drinking or whatever people right. and it, people identify more with what they do than who they are and when you right. when you take Absolutely. when you take away who what you do you're just lost like you were saying and and i think that makes it real and i think it makes this character feel like a genuine character where as opposed to i know this is one thing that when star trek the next generation started Gene Roddenberry was very opposed and said there can be no um, conflicts between the characters. Everybody has to get along perfectly. And and it really hamstrung the writers because it wasn't real. And then when Gene Roddenberry passed, they were able to lax that rule and start to create this conflict between characters. And I think that dynamic between these two characters here, Picard and Rafi, is something that I'm very interested to see moving forward. I just want to say this, and I know that we've we've made a deal that we won't talk about it, but I do want to say that the complaint that people have had about Star Trek Discovery with people not getting along, hating each other, and fighting all the time, it just seems so anti-Trek, and it seems like we've got the Diet Cola version of it with Picard where it seems like the writers and the creatives have kind of maybe it's a very strong maybe taken note of that and they've kind of you know kind of doubled down on that in in terms of like massaging that where there's not as much butthole drama going on so yeah I think it, that's a, I think that's a fair point what you're what you're saying so absolutely uh, anyway, so far, I like Rafi. You like Rafi. I think we all love R- like Rafi. I think we both do. I I like her. She, like I said, she's other than Picard. Like take him out out because obviously he's our favorite, right? But Basically. of all of the new of all of the new characters that we've been introduced to so far, I'm I'm really liking her, and I'm interested to see where they're going with her character. Yeah. 
Yeah. And there was like some other stuff that kind of pops up um, along the way. And it's, you're right. Like it kind of like pinballs around, like it's just bouncing off of like stuff from like earth to the artifact, artifact to earth and something else in between. But anyway, um, do you, do you want to try and follow the order of the episode or do you want to like stay on earth and talk about everything there and then go to the artifact? Um, let's, let's do our best to stick with earth right now. And then if we, if we do end up bouncing around some more, that's fine. Okay. Cause I'm the least interested in what's going on on the artifact. Okay. Not that I'm not interested, but I'm much more interested in in Picard and Rafi here on Earth. How interesting is that, though? That this is Star Trek, and we're more concerned with what's going on on Earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people have, have made that comment. I've seen this, too. It's like, this is not Star Trek. We're not out in space. We're just stuck here on Earth, and he doesn't even have a ship, and we haven't gone into warp at all. Like, so what? Yeah, so what? Get over yourself, man. So what? Yeah. Like, like, I mean, to me, it kind of feels like Deep Space Nine. And, you know, I love Deep Space Nine in the sense that our characters are in the same place. Yeah. Which, by the way, I really hope they bring Cisco back and Kira and O'Brien. I mean, O'Brien should already be there. He's at friggin' Starfleet Academy. He's teaching, or he was teaching yeah, engineering. Yeah, but but you've got you got to think, like... All of these people are probably retired by now, right? Picard retired, Riker from everything we've seen on the of the previews, he's retired, right? We've got to believe that, um, like O'Brien, he's retired by now, right? Because we're we're what? When was the last time we saw O'Brien? Was the end of D Space Nine? Where he was which, going off to to the academy which, to teach, yeah, right, yeah. But which chronologically? is is I'm trying to think of what year it would be that would have been like 2376 yeah so we're we're at least 20 years later than that 23 yeah 23 yeah so he's, years he's on. probably he, he, he's probably retired by now right Keiko Keiko is probably at Starfleet not Keiko um Molly Molly that's what I yeah. mean Molly's probably at Starfleet Academy yeah which some people did think that either uh, Rosalind Chow or um, Hannah Hate were the ones that were playing uh, Commodore O uh, in the last episode, which it certainly was not. It's not the I don't know the actors the actress's name who's playing Commodore O, but I recognized her immediately. She's uh, she played uh, Lieutenant Commander Laurel Takashima on the pilot movie of Babylon Five. How about that? Yeah, so she was like the second in command of the pilot movie. She uh, she didn't show back up for the original for the for the show proper. They re- they replaced her character, but I recognized her instantly. Hmm. Okay. I love Bab- I love Babylon Five. So the the uh, back back to Earth, like with with the Earth storyline that we're we're kind of talking about. So we we have that the initial interaction where we go from. You know, HQ back to Vasquez Rocks. He goes and walks walks down, and there just so happens to be a random storage box in the middle of the desert that she's sitting on. Lord knows. Well, she, well we don't know. She, how, she, pro- she she probably put it out there for like walks that she took. But yeah, potentially. 
and like he's he's winded so i doubt this is just you know across the lot that he's walking to and then saying saying she said some like something kind of odd and and i don't know if i heard it weird the three times i was watching this or what but she said something like i don't see angels and ghosts like other people do did did you hear that too no no what what she was saying is that basically she's not a conspiracy theorist because she found she found actual concrete proof that the romulans were involved but people who are just conspiracy theorists are seeing ghosts that's that's the way i understood what she was trying to say okay because i was like i don't see angels no but i think it's like you know (laughs) like people are chasing ghosts people are chasing after ghosts that's that's kind of how i took that to mean but like that really surprised me because i feel like okay Maybe there's a cover-up, right, that Starfleet has been infiltrated by the Romulans, which we clearly see is what's happened. But if you have concrete proof, why wouldn't you have shown that to Picard at some point? Why wouldn't you have shown that to somebody at Starfleet? If you have concrete proof that can't be denied, even if there's someone's trying to cover it up, somebody will listen to your proof. Right. Right. Right? Yeah. I, mean, I would think so at this point. I would think so. And I mean, if she had concrete proof, why wouldn't she have brought it to Picard? Did she just feel too betrayed by him? It's. I mean, it's possible. I mean, if you're hurt that much by someone that, you know, that you, you were like, you felt like you were this this close with, like, you know, you're closer than than family, then, I mean, maybe. I mean, it's, it's certainly maybe. possible. It just feels like if, if, if you've got concrete proof, you'd want to tell somebody. Somebody who you feel like would listen. And I wonder if she did and they might have turned her down. Like, I do wonder, like, with this other character that we're meeting, if Rios could have been someone that she might have shared that with, potentially. Potentially. Yeah, I wonder why she chose Rios as the captain. She probably knows more than one person. Yeah. Yeah, I would. But that's an that's an interesting point that I didn't even think about. But yeah, because she has some kind of affinity for him, you know, with with being with doing like off the books, semi sketchy stuff with. Like there has to be a lot of trust to be able to do that kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not going to um, go on secret missions with someone you don't trust. Absolutely. I don't want to go snipe. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't. I mean, you know, you might. I wouldn't. I don't want to go snipe hunting with someone I don't trust. Nope. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess we're still here at Vasquez Rocks um, with saying, like, Rios, he'll be expecting you. Get the heck out of my life, basically. And we do see her um, in the evening looking at some some information and stuff and Picard flicks some well, stuff yeah, he, over to her. Yeah, yeah, he sends he sends her some information. He's like he's like he calls her and she's like, "Oh, I don't want to answer." But then she answers and he's like, "Rafi, I'm sending you everything I have." She's like, "No, no, I don't want it." And then he hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that was so- Yeah. Now, 
okay, there, there, in this particular scene where she, maybe it wasn't this scene, but when she's she's looking through the stuff and she's noticing this thing that says quantum fingerprint. Yeah, quantum fingerprint. Yeah, and that's like the clue that kind of tells her or you know piques her interest of where Maddox, Bruce, Commander Bruce Maddox could be, and. Uh, we see this thing that says "Welcome to Free Cloud," and then there's like some six-sided die graphics that are kind of pouring out from it. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like that was just like a pop-up adware kind of thing? <laughs> no. No. Okay, because that's no. that's kind of how it came up to came off to me, like just how it looked. It looked like it was like malware, adware type of thing, and I was like, wait, especially like connecting it to later on, like saying, I want to go to free cloud. Like, is it a planet? Is it a casino? Is it the, is it a retirement home? Like, what is this thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about the previews, free cloud, free cloud looks like some, you know, Romulan settlement somewhere, but like, that's the previews and those are not always truthful. True story. Yeah, but but what this 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 bugs me. This really bugs me, and I know we're gonna be jumping, but I've said this on about each of the first two episodes. In episode one, Picard figured out who Dodge was like so fast; it like, took no time at all. Mm-hmm. In in episode two, um, what was it? Um, uh, um. Dr. Gerardi figured out that Dodge, you know, she her um, her backstory was completely fabricated, and she figured it out so quickly. Oh, and and La- when, and Laris. And when, yeah, yeah, Laris. When they went to Dodge's apartment, she figured out that like, oh, there's a clue, a false clue wrapped inside a hidden clue, wrapped inside a real clue, and she was able to figure out that Soji wasn't on Earth so quickly, and. And this just bugs me is because when Picard went to see Dr. Gerardi, Agnes, in the first episode at the Daystrom Institute, she says, after work on synthetics was banned, Bruce Maddox disappeared, right? She's looked for him. Other people have looked for him. He's completely disappeared. No one can find him. And then I know Rafi is is a Starfleet Intel, worked in Starfleet Intelligence, and her job is sifting through data, but... 13 years no one can figure out where he is she finds him in one day like <laughs> come on come on I mean like that's one of the big issues that I've had with this so far is that people just figure out things so goddamn quickly and I don't know if that bugs you but it bugs me yeah I was I was thinking about that same thing you know based on comments that you've made in the past like well this one's gonna set Eric off you know <laughs> <laughs> well well you know it did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're not you're not wrong. I mean, like you're saying, like people people have been trying to find the dude for a long 13, time. Thirteen years. She yeah. says. Agnes says he's been missing and disappeared for thirteen years. Right when when he goes in to talk to to Clancy, she's like Bruce Maddox. He's still alive, or maybe it's Commodore O that says Bruce Maddox. Is he still alive? Like. They don't even know where he is. Yeah. Yeah. 
I have a feeling we're going to be seeing Commander Bruce Maddox before oh, the season oh. ends. I feel like 100% he's going to be popping up. And and bravo to the producers for keeping that under wraps. Like, that's something like that didn't leak. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. if, if, if I feel like 100% we're going to see him too. And... And I commend you, because in this day and age, it's hard to keep things under wraps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> so yeah, the, the whole this whole free cloud thing being, you know, potentially important. I don't want to say it is, but potentially important to advancing the narrative and the location of where Commander Maddox is. Uh, I hope I hope we get a payoff. We need a payoff when it comes to no, to this sort no. of thing. We've mentioned Bruce Maddox in every episode. There has to be some payout. Yeah. There just there has to be. We can't just name drop him like in every episode and not not get. We can't just show up to a free club. But oh, Bruce Maddox died six years ago. <laughs> can that you, can, can't happen. Can that you, can't happen. <laughs> that cannot. Cannot happen. Can you imagine that happening, though? Oh, I'm like, I might throw something because that would be that that would be terrible. That would be so terrible. Like, like, no. <laughs> Stop it. No, no. <laughs> oh man. Okay, let's let's get away from from Rafi for just for just a little bit. So. Do you want to talk about uh, Chateau Picard, or do you want to talk about uh, Dr. Girardi? I want to... Well, the only thing that happens back at Chateau Picard is when the Romulans attack, right? Basically. Okay. Yeah. So I think, I, think we, I think before we get into that, we need to talk about Dr. Girardi and the one brief scene that she has before that. Okay. So, do you want to set that one up for us? Sure. Um, Dr. Gerardi is just hanging out in the park outside the Daystrom Institute, right? She's got her AirPods in. Yeah. Right? Maybe listening to some Klingon opera? I don't know. Yeah, she's got her AirPods in, and Commodore O, who I, I said last time, I said, you know, she might have just been a character to introduce Lieutenant Lizzo or Rizzo, whatever her name is. Um, and we might never see Commodore O again, but here she is, pops up very briefly. She goes to talk to Dr. Gerardi about, you know, her meetings with Picard, and Dr. Gerardi, like, we don't see it there. The scene just cuts away, but we learn later that Dr. Gerardi just told her everything because she can't lie. Yeah. Or, or she's a terrible liar, and she would have, Commodore O would have seen through it. Yeah. Okay, but, but, like, listen, there's no way that the only thing that happened was Commodore O asking questions. Like, to me, there has to be something more here, like, like a mind meld or a, or a brainwash or a tracking device or something. Like, she couldn't have just asked her questions and said, oh, hey, go on your way. Yeah. I really feel like, like... There's got to be more, and I think I, this is just a like I said, I'm not big into theory crafting, but I'm gonna say my theory here is that somehow Commodore O did something through a mind meld 
to plant some subconscious idea to sabotage this mission later on. Hmm. That would be very interesting. Because, because if we go from if we go from that brief scene to what's happening at Chateau Picard, right? Picard's yeah. getting ready to leave on his mission, and one of those Romulan death squads that you know twice went after Dodge shows up to Chateau Picard. So talk us through that scene. So, <clears throat> so with with that particular scene, we have we see that Picard is. Uh, basically making his mind up that he's going to go back into space like a hundred percent that he's he's had enough time to reflect on being being on earth being at the chateau for uh the last decade and a half and not ever really feeling like he was all ever at home and and whatnot and as he's getting ready and starting to say who he's going to miss and reminiscing on some things and sharing some thoughts uh we have Jaban, the male uh, Romulan, the male former Tal Shiar member, come in with a little knick-knack sack to give him, and he does a little duck, and that's when some little disruptor yeah. beams start going off, and um, we see some hiding, we see some some fighting back between them, and then they all get knocked out. Picard gets a few shots in, he takes a tumble himself, and we see Gerardi, um give like the final shot thinking that it was on stun but it wasn't okay so so attacking picard at his in in public on top of that building whatever it was attacking him in his house which is the more brazen thing to do attacking him in public or at his house i'm gonna go with his house me too i think so too like attacking him on his home turf where you have no idea what he's got going on oh, yeah. is a pretty brazen thing to do. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and I don't know, I have this idea that that this whole thing is a setup, like leading back to the Dr. Gerardi thing that I just mentioned, because I find it very hard to believe that a ninety year old man and two out of out of practice Tel Shiar agents who are not commandos, right? right? They're intelligence officers could defeat an entire Romulan commando squad if that commando squad really wanted to win. So I don't think they did. I think that this was a suicide mission that they were supposed to lose. Hmm. Because what happens? That that it looks like it's done and then somebody comes in through the door, one last man and then we see him get shot from right off screen, and at and and it's Doctor Gerardi who I didn't think it was going to be her. I thought it was going to be Rafi originally. Sure, sure. But it's Doctor Gerardi who shows up. So immediately after this meeting with Commodore O, we have this attack on Picard, and Agnes shows up right at the end of the attack to stop it. How convenient. Hmm. So I don't know. I just have this idea that this whole thing was a setup, and they weren't really trying to kill Picard because they were trying to get, like, they were trying to like use some subterfuge here. Yeah, and and maybe this is like a crazy idea. I don't know if you think this could be practical or not. No, I mean it's 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 not impractical. I mean we've seen this done. Uh, at least two times 
uh, in the past on Star Trek. Uh, I think both both times were with Geordi, actually. Uh, one being on the show, I think, with the Romulans, and then the other in Star Trek Generations with the Klingons, with some kind of like brainwashing activation type stuff that was going on. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities for this to be kind of making another go at it, kind of like with what you're proposing. So I think it's a very, uh, very captivating theory, uh, a very, just a very interesting theory to kind of hold on to loosely for what we, we have to deal with in the next seven episodes of Star Trek Picard. And I want to go back for just a second while they're at the park and, and Dr. Gerardi's eating her cheese sandwich or whatever she's eating. And we have Commodore O coming in with sunglasses on. And I just... Okay. I'm about to... Very, very stylish. Very stylish. Okay. You ready for it? This is nitpick mode I'm about to go into. All right. Give it to me. Sunglasses sunglasses and a crooked rank pip bugged the crap out of me it wasn't crooked it was trapezoidal wasn't it no it was offset so it was not level is what i'm getting at like they did not like it's yes it's supposed to be trapezoidal but if you look at it like go back and look at that particular scene and compare that with um, how it was in, uh, what was it? Like at the last episode. You can see that one is level and one is crooked. And it's crooked in the in that part. And the reason it bugs the living crap out of me. Is so, that just the, o- the OCD in you? I'm not even OCD. It's just like, <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> look at look at next gen. It's, look, it's, be, be, be professional, right? Yeah, seriously. You're... you're basically at the admiral level you are basically a flag officer and you should have your pips correct your rank insignia correct and like thinking back to to next gen deep space nine and voyager all the tumbling they do you know rolling around the dirt getting shot out shot at you know being shaked around on starships and stations their pips their com badges didn't really move. Then again, they were and, they were Velcro. It's funny, yeah, but it's also funny because they they can take them off and take their communicator off so easily. But rough and tumble fighting, right? Perfectly in place. So perfectly in place. So that just bugged the snot out of me. Like it just seemed like it took me out of it. In that, I'm like, really, we're we're in the we're almost in the 25th century, and you can't deal with it. But I say that with the whole like sunglasses thing and knowing that there's going to be a connection to discovery season three or just discovery in general you know we were talking last time about we're not too sure if this was a vulcan if it's not a vulcan if it's a romulan disguising as a vulcan but with the sunglasses and there potentially being light sensitivity i'm i do wonder eric if this commodore o could be a mirror universe vulcan Please don't. Please don't. Please don't let that be true. Oh my god. 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 Please don't let that be true. I I will literally stop watching if that's if that turns out to be true. I I will stop watching because that is just 
a terrible idea, and I hate the mirror universe with a passion. Wait, wait, hold on. Let, let's 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 clarify that for well, a let's, second. Let's let's let's. No, no. Is it is okay. it mirror? Oh, okay. Is it mirror universe discovery or is it just mirror universe period? Okay. The original series episode Mirror Mirror is a very good episode, and I find the concept very interesting. Okay. Okay. The Enterprise two-part episode in A Mirror Darkly, yes, where they go, where it takes place all over there. I think that's an interesting idea, and I and I like that episode. I am, and when and the Next Generation didn't have any Mirror Universe at all. Well, they had they had like some sash wearing stuff, which I think is the they, closest. They, 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 they had, like, an alternate timeline, right, that yesterday's Enterprise, but it wasn't the Mirror Universe. Mm-hmm. And so, after we go Mirror Mirror, the first time we go back to the Mirror Universe is at the end of Season 2 of Deep Space Nine, called Crossover. Mm-hmm. And I think that first episode is very interesting when we go follow up on what happened. But then Deep Space Nine just kept going to it, like, so much. And I was like... I don't care. I have spent all of my time and effort wanting to know what's happening in the Federation, not what's happening in the Mirror Universe. And I really don't want to go down this. If, if we want to do, like, a Discovery recap or podcast sometime, we can go down this. Like, sorry, spoiler alerts if you haven't seen Discovery. Um, we can go down that, but I really don't want to talk about this right now. That's that's totally fine, dude. Right. Just, I mean, like, if we want to do a discovery podcast on that, like, you can. I'll I'll give you my full rant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just going off of like the lore that we've been exposed. No, to. No, no. I understand how you said that. How like the light sensitivity? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, just Commodore O is just a very mysterious character at this point. I mean, we've only seen her what two episodes now, like for a total of like three or four scenes. Yeah, like five minutes maybe. Yeah. So I'm sure I, I'm hoping that we'll we'll get more out of her. I I think she's kind of interesting, kind of not, but uh, anyways, all this stuff, right? This is just us just having fun, kind of having our own head stuff. That's not going to dictate our enjoyment, of course. But if we get a if if this stuff comes true, cool, then sweet. But anyway, so we've we've basically taken care of the Earth stuff and. Did you find it kind of odd that, again, maybe it's just me, but like the way that Dr. Girardi listed off the reasons why she needed to go on to La Serena was A, B, and C instead of one, two, and three, or first, second, third? That just, I don't know. I feel like... Or is that just me? No, I feel like A, B, C is fine. I didn't think anything of that. I thought it was funny that she had to like list them because I think Picard was ready to take her anyway without the list okay so I, I want to point this out since we're still on earth and we're about to go into space um, at least I think we're about to go into space I think we are yeah so I don't drink like alcohol I drink soda and water and occasionally sweet tea but I swear there should be a drinking game for every time Picard says it's alright because I swear that's like almost every other word that he says in this show so far. I have not noticed that at all. He says it at least five times at the, at the chateau. 
Does he? Yeah. Huh. Like two or three times in short order with with uh, Dr. Girati. So, I, I yeah, take a shot every time you hear it's all right. I'm not encouraging drinking. All right, but yeah, like, especially, especially because I watched this episode at 7 a.m. on Thursday. So, so don't play that drinking game at, at 7 a.m. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> but anyway, there, a lot of, and that was the other thing I noticed too, is like, it seemed like some of the dialogue was kind of repeating itself in a way, like what happened jail, what happened in their jail? And then like the next thing, what happened in there? Okay. You, you made your point, you know, you want to know what happened in there, Rafi, mm-hmm. when you're. And then it's all right, it's all right, it's all right. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I feel like the dialogue in this series so far has not been perfect. Yeah. Okay. I, I can criticize the dialogue. All right. Well, we're not going to turn into angry nerd trolls. That's nope, nope. That's for that's for a different podcast and different YouTube channels. That's not us. So that's not us. I do not want to be a troll. No. Although I did live under the bridge for twenty four years. Hmm. Do you get that? Red Hot Chili Peppers. No. No. You lived under the bridge for a while too. I did. I yeah. don't get it. You don't get it. No, I'm in, lost. in in Michigan, right? There's the two peninsulas, oh. and we have the Upers, and then the Upers call people from the lower peninsula the trolls because we live under the bridge. Oh, okay. I don't think I ever heard that reference for some reason in the ten well, years I was there. How often did you ever go to the UP? Uh, I can count on uh, never. Never, really? No, never. I was. I, I never went to the UP. Wow, okay. Well, that probably explains why you never heard that saying. Yeah. I never even made it to Mackinac, dude. How long did you live in Michigan? Ten. Ten years, years and you never made it up to Mackinac? That is correct. Wow. Okay, wow, wow. <laughs> okay. Was Topeka as far north as you made it? Um, Traverse City. Traverse City. Wow, okay. Interlocking, something like that, yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, and Topico is no more. Topico is no more. All right, All right, let's go to space. Make it so. Make it so. No, engage. Well, he, he changes it up, by the way. He does. He does. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so we're in space now. The we're final in space. frontier. Finally, we're in space. Good lord! Finally, we're in space. Uh, so. We have we have a couple different things like with with the artifact and also meeting um, Captain Rios Captain and Rios. let's let's table Captain Rios for right now and and talk about Ramda and the Destroyer. Let's do it. Let's do it. But okay. Before we but, get to Ramda, we have Hugh. Hugh, the Hugh, Hugh, Hugh. The return of Hugh. Hugh, are you? <laughs> Hugh, Hugh, who I remember last time you said, right when um, Narek wanted to watch uh, Soji's work, she's mm-hmm. like, "You need the, 
you need the um the, the director the, of whatever the, the, the director's permission he's like yeah. no actually i don't actually, and we find I out don't. hugh is the director yeah how i did not expect hugh to be the director how this. freaking cool is that, huh? That was a total surprise. I was not sure how they would introduce Hugh, but being the director of this Romulan reclamation project is yeah. very interesting because he says XBs are so hated, so mm-hmm. you it's kind of surprising that they would put him in charge. Yeah, that this XB, right? That this... I mean, he was basically an XB while he was still a B. You yeah. know? Yeah. And... It was. It was. I mean, he's he's, he's he's been an XB for a long time. Oh yeah. Right. Oh he, yeah. Twenty five, thirty years. Yeah, he. Going all got, the way back to the Descent episode. Bef- well, really before Descent. Really before that, yeah, but definitely. To Iborg, yeah, but cer- yeah, certainly descent. descent. Yeah. So, seeing just seeing him first come on and like he's looking at. Oh uh, gosh, like some surveillance, some yeah, yeah, some surveillance. hologram stuff, yeah. And he's like observing uh, Doctor Asha, and he's got like this creepy, creepy look on him on his yeah, face, it, man. It's, it's a little creepy. It's a little creepy. It's a little creepy. Just slightly. But but it's interesting. He's 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 watching the the scene that we saw last week where where uh, Soji talks in that alien language. Mm-hmm. And like, like we said, it looked like Narek didn't recognize the language when when he heard her say it, but but like Hugh knows that's what she's doing, and it seems like he even encouraged her to do it, which I think is yeah. a very strange thing because how would he know what the language is, right? They're nameless, and maybe he's still got some. Borg knowledge in his head, and that's how he knows the language. But I just think that that's a really strange thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm wondering if he knows what the language is, but he's not letting on at this point. That could potentially be true, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm wondering, again, if it's going back to, like, the super secret Jatvash language or something. I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, if, if the Sith and Star Wars can have their own contrived language, then the Jat Vash can have their own contrived language, right? I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, totally makes sense. Sure. And seeing them interact and, you know, Dr. Asha and Hugh going into this, the brig, this brig basically, with these these reclaimed Romulan, like Romulan XB. Right, the only Romulans to ever be assimilated, as far as anyone knows. Yes. And I just have, I have I'm just curious, like, what or why is there such a negative symptomology with Romulans, from what we've seen, of course, compared to other alien species like what in the world is it about Romulans that what that makes them what that makes them like be so hard to reintegrate back into yeah because their seems normal like life after being Borg or or what yeah because like there's some there's there's some kind of like psychotic right break right. with them and 
yeah like what is it about the romulans to where there's such difficulty to bring them back from the brink well well i said i'm not into theory crafting but i think in order to answer that question i have to talk about the theory that i have go for it okay so um we learn from this dialogue with soji talking to ramda like that ramda was a, on a ship there were 25 people on the ship and it was the last ship that this board cube ever assimilated right and so my thought is that the romulans sent this ship on purpose to be assimilated right we've seen other races do that before right specifically like egypt right egypt's race they sent him on purpose to be assimilated Right, so my idea is that the Romulans sent the ship on purpose to be assimilated, and there was some kind of thing that they did which caused the submatrix collapse, which caused this cube to um, be severed from the collective. And whatever the Romulans did to make that possible is what's causing the basically the psychotic break in these XBs here. Hmm. Okay. It's interesting. I mean, yeah, like, you know, bait, like baiting the Bork. Right. To, and we, we've seen, like I said, we see, specifically, we saw Egypt's race do that. Hmm. Hmm. That'd be very interesting if that, if that is, in fact, how this, this plays out with, you know, with the reason. And, and you know, the, we have these questions and... I don't expect them to be fully answered. I really don't. I, I, I highly doubt that this very question is going to be answered within this season or even a future season of Star Trek Picard, if I'm being honest with you. I mean, I can see how all these questions would not be answered, right? There's a lot of questions that have been set up. Yeah. And it's much easier to pose questions than it is to answer them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would be okay with with having a question posed in like a season one and not having a payoff until like season five. That's totally fine. Shows do that all the time. Oh, yes. I, Babylon 5, which I mentioned earlier, is notorious for doing that. Stargate SG-1 does that. Doctor Who does that. I mean... Yeah, I mean, but besides sci-fi, I mean, other shows, Blue Bloods, for crying out loud, on on uh, CBS does that, and that's not even sci-fi. That has America's favorite mustache in it. Good old Tom Selleck. Good so, old Tom Selleck, and Donnie Donnie Wahlberg, right? Yeah, he's got the right stuff. Well, See yeah, I, I uh, I'm watching I'm watching uh, Picard on CBS All Access, like I, I like I assume we all are, but. Um, I, I paid what? I, like I paid for the 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 lower plan that comes with limited commercials. Yeah. Right instead of the no commercials one. And uh all the commercials are just CBS trailers, right? For the shows. Mm-hmm. So I've seen the unicorn, you know, that show the unicorn. I've seen the trailer for that a bunch, right? And I've seen a Blue Buds trailer in there, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the only way I even know what Blue Bloods is. I love Blue Bloods, by the way. I've seen... I, I love that show. It's fantastic. Okay. So, uh, anyway. Uh, 
back to Star Trek Picard. We in this in this next scene, we you know we have uh, you know Soji and Hugh. They're in the the brig. They're in the holding room with these Romulan XPs that are trying to be reintegrated, and we're getting to meet this person named Ramda, who who her job was like she like was some kind of historian or studied ancient Romulan myths. Yes. So why don't you why don't you take us through through this part, Eric? Well, this is a this is a really interesting scene here, where it appears all of this like programming is starting to come out of Soji, right? That she's totally unaware of. Like she knows this information that even Hugh doesn't know, mm-hmm. right? And and it all starts to come out here, and Ramda is doing something with like tarot card like the Romulan version of tarot cards essentially yeah right and uh, and then Ramda says I know you from the future from tomorrow I met you tomorrow and it's a very weird scene here and basically it culminates in Ramda trying to kill herself yeah and and Soji like having android reflexes to run across the room in time to to stop her which I thought was very convenient. That very convenient. Because, like, the way it, it looks, it looks like she's just walking in a way. It doesn't look like it's fast enough. Like, she's, like, going as fast as, like, The Flash or Quicksilver or Superman or anything like that to get there in time. Like, there is no way. Well, 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 I, I, well if, it, if it was that fast, then everyone would look at her and be like, whoa, how did she move that fast? Yeah. But it just... I don't know. I don't know. I like I like this idea of a of an organic android, mm-hmm. right? I, I really like this idea, and I really want to see old man Spiner at the end of the season as Data. As Data, as a like as a, a like a flesh and blood, right, right? Flesh and blood. Yeah, you said that on one of the earlier podcasts. Yeah, I want to see that, and. I probably won't get that, but I really want to see that. If that's what we're, if that's the rabbit trail that we're going down with, like there's this real possibility of being able to create organic synths, which sounds like an oxymoron. Uh, I, I really want to see that payoff. I want to see Pinocchio become a real boy, so to speak. You know, uh, that's what Data's been aiming to do for a long time like ever since he was activated no, that's what he wants that would be a really good payoff all the way even back to encounter at farpoint right where yeah he's, he's trying trying to whistle. to whistle yeah that would be and Riker and and Riker 40, calls him Pinocchio well that would be what 30 years of payout right there yeah no I, I think that would be a really neat thing to see at the end right mm-hmm so tell me who is the destroyer? What is the destroyer? Michael Burnham. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be a way to tie everything together. Well, I mean, I know I don't want to talk about it, and you don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it now. But you you got to admit, though, that there is that tie-in from the most recent season of Discovery with the Destroyer of, of Worlds. So whether this is foreshadowing that or or Soji is potentially 
that said destroyer of whatever that means like oh crap I have something beaming into my head right now and I don't like it uh oh you might as well just do it we're being recorded aren't we okay so spoilers for anyone that has not seen the trailer for Discovery Season 3 we see a, um, a UFP flag in the what would that be the 32nd century where it's got like 33 right 30 yeah 32nd oh, oh, or 3rd yeah. century 30, yeah okay 32nd or 3rd century uh where there are there's just a sprinkling like a very light dusting of federation planets that are on this UFP flag that's in this random circular room and there's supposed to be a connection between Picard and Discovery. I know people. some of y'all don't want to talk about this, Eric. No, I just don't want to talk about it now. <laughs> like, we but, can do a Discovery-only podcast, and I will gladly talk about it. Okay, but... Okay, this is what's beaming into my head, like, with this Destroyer thing and thinking about the flag. Like, what if friggin' Soji goes berserk and just starts blowing up planets or killing people or whatever and that's what what's leading to UFP you know dissolving planets and stuff I'm gonna just keep moving because I don't okay, want to think well, about well, that well, well, how would we what would Picard season two be about then uh, mirror universe I don't know <laughs> I, I don't know that's what I said it beamed into my head and I didn't want it to but it did I can't control my brain Eric Okay. Yeah, sometimes things just pop in there, don't they? <laughs> I just gotta say them. <laughs> okay. okay, let's stop. Let's stop talking about that. But so we we hear we hear Ramda calling calling Soji the Destroyer, and we're not too sure what that means. There's some tarot cards where the one twin is the good twin, then there's the bad yeah. twin. One's the Destroyer, one's the whatever. And then at the same moment, right? This is where this episode does this. It cuts back and forth between Earth and the artifact. Yes. So at the same moment where Ramda is calling Soji the Destroyer, one of the Romulan commandos that got captured says, you have no idea what she is, she's the Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's cutting back and forth, and both both people are calling her the Destroyer. When you, Okay, in and, and this next scene, and, and I want to know, know if you caught this as well, or if this, or if you had like a similar thought process. So we in this next scene, we're we're back in Soji's apartment, right? And she's holding on to like her puppy dog, little plush toy, or whatever the devil she's holding on to. And she's also got this holographic. Yeah, where she basically calls her mom. FaceTime she and calls, calls her, mom. her mom. Yeah, yeah, her, calls her, mom. Her mom. Yeah. Air quotes, mom, and. She's asking, Mom, how's Dodge? And then she starts talking about, oh, Dodge, you know her, just being impulsive or whatever she said. You know, she wants to go buy a puppy. And as she's saying, Dodge something puppy, you see her starting to... To, like, fade out and go unconscious. So I'm wondering, Eric, if, if, like saying Dodge and like some other statement to Soji is like a way of kind of you know hitting the sleep or hibernate button on a computer or hitting the restart button basically like 
Well, yeah, I, I kind of interpreted the 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 mom as just like a computer program, right? It's not like a real person on the other end. It's something because we saw in episode one where Dodge calls her mom and the mom is like, go to Picard. He will protect you. Go to Picard. And it's just something in there that like con- is a way to like control the mind. And I just thought mm-hmm. that's what was happening here as well. That there is no real person they're talking on the other end. It's just some kind of computer program. Part of me does think that it's a real person. And I'm wondering if if it is a real person, if said real person is at this free, free cloud place that we were talking about earlier that Rafi mentions and that is allegedly where Commander Bruce Maddox is as well. So, anyway, lots of... I guess weird, weird holes to, to go down that we don't need to. Right, and yeah. And then right, we gonna go right from here. We go to like, Narek shows up at her room, and there's really nothing, in- nothing interesting to talk about here, with this. Nothing interesting. I and, don't want to talk about Narek ever. Please don't make me talk. And about then Narek. Lieutenant Lizzo or Rizzo. Rizzo, I think. Rizzo, Rizzo. shows yeah. up, but she's now, you know, retaken her, her true form as a Romulan, and they have a little discussion, which is nothing interesting to say there. It looked, like, creepily seductive. Like, was yeah, she but trying they're, to they're put... Brother, they're brother and sister. I know, but, like, was she trying to seduce her brother? Like, that's just how it came off to me. God, I hope it, not. I, I, I hope not too. I hope not. But but, but totally, yeah. totally nothing interesting happens with Narek. Just moving on, moving on. I just I don't want to see Austin Powers anymore in the show. Please stop it. Well, you know Harry Treadway was on that show, um, uh, Penny Dreadful, which was actually a really good show. But yeah, he's just a nothing character here for me. I just, I don't, I'm sick of seeing Austin Powers in space. <laughs> That's all you're going to think about every time you see him? You have, you ha- okay, honestly, if I'm going to be an angry nerd troll, it's going to be about this character. Because <laughs> I cannot not see anything but Austin Powers in space. And I just, like, just his whole characterization, like, I'm just, I'm over it, man. I just. <sighs> all right, well, he- well, moving on. There's nothing to talk about. <laughs> Nothing to talk about here. Nothing interesting or important <laughs> happens with him. So moving on, Chris Rios, the Ibn Majid. Okay, I gotta say, I love Chris Rios. Okay, so so those two holograms, they're both patterned after him. They look the same yes. as, as him, right? I was wasn't sure if that was what was supposed to be happening here or not. Yes. Because they look yes. slightly different, but I was like, did he make holograms patterned after himself? Yeah, apparently wearing like some comfy clothes or something. I don't know what it was. <laughs> but yeah, the um, we're, we're introduced to the emergency navigation hologram, an ENH, and then also an EMH, which we know about EMHs from um, Star Trek Voyager, of course. Yeah. So we we don't learn the name of this ship right here, do we? Uh, no. Other than it's been 
mentioned in in uh, whatchamacallit's uh, interviews and stuff. And um, you can actually see this, I don't know if it's a spoiler, but going to like the Star Trek and the CBS shop, you can get Star Trek Picard swag and, you know, Steiners and dog clothes and stuff like that. And the there's a pin on there that we've seen in promotional shots uh, of Patrick Stewart wearing that uh, it looks like PS, but it's the symbol. It's a, actually, the symbol is actually for the La Serena, which is the name of the ship that they're on. Okay. So, um, anyway, not really a spoiler, but just interesting. Okay. So we learned that Chris Rios was the first officer on a heavy cruiser called the Ibn Majid. So, do you know what Ibn Majid means? Because I went, and, I went and looked this up afterwards. I did not. Okay, Look so, it up, actually. So Ibn Majid is the name of uh, an Arab cartographer and navigator from the 15th century. Okay. Right? So I just thought that was kind of interesting. Was there anything in researching that that uh, there, jumped out at you about this particular person? There, uh, Well, supposedly this Ibn Majid is a person who helped uh, Vasco da Gama um, cross over and... and make it from Europe to India. Okay. Okay. That's really the only thing that I could find. Okay. Hmm. So, yeah, so we we've we hear about this this ship that he's on that's been erased from existence for whatever reason. Yeah, the, and we learned that the captain's blood was and head was splattered all over the bulkhead somehow. Yeah. So something something bad happened. Maybe it was a rogue synth attack. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but you can tell that there's there's certainly a conflict of him wanting to do good and then also just wanting to give everyone the middle finger. Oh, definitely. Like he, definitely wants to give everyone the middle finger. Yeah. Definitely. But he's 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 walking that line very well to where he's not a jerk. I don't. I don't see him as a jerk. I just. I don't see. I don't see him as a jerk either. No. And that was the thing that I was concerned about. Like, really, are we just gonna get a bunch of like jerks, like as this like motley crew, you know? And I really like Chris. Like I'm, uh, or Captain Rios. Like I'm. I'm really looking forward to him. And uh, between him and Rafi, it's kind of a tie at this point for me. It's like it's leaning more Rafi, but. I've really liked both of them. They they're the two that I enjoy the most out of the series so far. No, I'm I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to meeting all these two new characters, Rafi and Chris, much more so than I am Dr. Gerardi. And yeah. it looks like next episode we might be introduced to Space Legolas. Yeah, good old Elnor. Elnor is the name. Space Legolas. Okay. <laughs> So anyway, which, here we are. Which, which, by the way, those promotional shots totally look like Rivendell. I would just like to say that. Okay, I can see that. Sure, definitely. <laughs> All right, so we've got the whole crew assembled, right? We've got Picard, we've got Dr. Gerardi, we've got Rafi, we've got Chris Rios, and we are ready to engage. Engage. Right. Loved it. Right. Lots of fan service in these first three episodes. Lots and lots of fan service. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I, I love I, it. And I love it. I, I love every bit of fan service. And that's the thing. Like, there's nothing. I don't think there's an, anything inherently wrong with fan service. Like, you got to remember your base. Yeah. And, and I think, and I, I, I think that's one thing that Discovery has done poorly. And I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. So that's it, man. Like, this this episode went by pretty quick for me. Both of these last two episodes have gone by very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, more so than the first for sure. And you know, we've we've done our ratings um, on like the first two episodes. So I definitely want to talk about how we would rate this this particular episode overall and um I guess just kind of start to wind things down, kind of go from warp speed down to maybe impulse power um, as we as we pull into to space dock or something. So um, let me just go ahead and say that for me, I think I don't know if I want to say this is my favorite episode, but I certainly enjoyed this one a lot more than the second episode, and I would probably give this one a rating probably closer to the first episode's ranking a rating and this is probably going to be an 8.7 for me okay all right so so i watched this episode um for the first time thursday morning i got up early i didn't watch the others on thursday morning but i just woke up early and watched this one on thursday morning and then thursday night I came home and and wanted to watch it again, but instead of watching just this episode again on its own, Mm -hmm. I watched all three episodes back to back to back, okay? Because this is act one of the show, and the show is supposed to be basically one continuous story, and the way I've just consumed Star Trek is by binging it, right? So I really wanted to know what this story felt like if you watched it all together. Okay. And I have to say this these three episodes work so well together if you watch them right in a row. They just work perfectly together and I found myself like saying, "Wow, why was I so harsh the first time around?" Because hmm. I I came on here after that first episode and I said, "Well, episode 1 is a 7.5." And, yeah. I'm, and I got done here, and I'm like, and maybe that was just me. I didn't want to, like, heap too much praise on it because you go to IMDb and there's a million 10-star ratings, and you gave it a yeah. nine and you gave it a nine and a quarter. And I guess yeah. I just didn't want – I wanted to not just be a fanboy and say, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, I go out and freak out, <laughs> right? But yeah. I, I was freaking out, but I didn't want to be that. So yeah. I just didn't want to heap all this praise onto it. So I gave it a 7.5 and I just I watched these all together and I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> that first episode is a solid 9. Solid 9 that first episode. And I think you're absolutely right that it should have ended when Dodge blows up. Yeah. Right? That first I think you're totally right. And I know it would have only been 35 minutes, but you're totally right about that. So then moving on to the second episode where I said all of that momentum that we had from the first episode was kind of like stopped in its tracks. 
But if you go watch the third episode right after that, that whole idea is just gone. I think this whole thing just flows so perfectly. And I think it was one of the best things that they could have done to have the same person, Hanel Culpepper, direct these first three episodes. I think that was a, a brilliant idea rather than just having a different director for all of them. And they just work together. Yeah. And I, I would give, as a whole, this opening act, I would probably give it like an 8.5 overall. Okay. This whole, all three episodes together. I really think these episodes work together very, very well. Yeah. Yeah. And and for me, it, it's it's the second episode that I think kind of might lower that, that overall ranking for, for this first act. But I, I have not done what you've done, Eric which is, you know, watching the first three episodes in, in succession like you have, which is something that I plan on doing when, whenever right, I find... When the, whole thing's, when the whole thing's over, right? Either when it's over or I just somehow find extra free time, you know, to be able to, to sit and watch something for, you know, basically two hours, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Um, it takes me about two and a half with those commercials on CBS All Access. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Not quite three hours because the commercials aren't quite that long. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, we're we're gonna be going into you know the second act with uh, hopefully four, five, and six, maybe seven, uh, being the second act. We'll see. And I, I'm really excited for this for the second act. I'm really excited because Jonathan Frakes yes! is directing these these next two episodes. Jonathan Frakes is directing. And I gotta tell you, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with this. Yes, right. I'm really looking forward to that. And I gotta tell you, man, like my favorite, uh, my, some of my favorite, just Star Trek episodes have been Frakes episodes, and, and that includes Discovery and the Orville. So he he does a really good job uh, working with the actors and right. and, 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 and how to just, work a scene. Just, and he and he knows he's so familiar with like he knows the the universe right mm-hmm. and he knows how everything fits in it mm-hmm. right and I think that that can only lead to good things happening yeah oh lordy um, well before we go um, I want to say this um, about uh, and I think I I know I texted you about this Eric. Um, but for, for some of y'all, you might have uh, not, either not aware or maybe you are aware that um, Star Trek Picard's uh, soundtrack recently dropped um, on streaming platforms such as Amazon Music and Spotify and you know I'm sure, I'm sure iTunes and I think probably even CD somewhere. Um, but certainly available, available digitally as of uh, Friday, February 7th, at least in the United States. And... Um, Eric, I think you've you've dubbed me the music guy for Star Trek for the most part, like with all that music theory I was dropping on you recently. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not the music guy, definitely. <laughs> but I got really excited about being able to just listen just to the music without like the scenery and stuff, and I enjoyed it. And I'm, but the thing about the Star Trek Picard soundtrack. It's, it's actually called Star Trek Picard Season 1, Chapter 1. And, Eric, when, whenever you hear that, what does that kind of... How do you interpret that? 
I interpret that as it would be music from these first three episodes. Correct. That's how I would interpret it as well. And perhaps that's how some of our listeners would potentially interpret it as well also, especially since this dropped the day after the third episode was released. So I want for those of you that are listening, I want to encourage you to not listen to the soundtrack right now. And the reason I say that is because there are track names on there that will reveal some storyline uh, like payouts, basically. And for some of you, that might not be a big deal. You're like, okay, I could have seen that like a million miles away. Okay, whatever. Um, but part, part of like the argument that I was making when we were talking about music in the first reaction episode of Engage was music, I believe, is intended to create um, the, the emo- emotional stage, the emotional setting in which you're going to be experiencing a scene. And I, I, I heard the stuff that's on there for these future episodes of Star Trek Picard, and I'm kind of bummed because I wanted to experience the music with the story itself. And I'm kind of I'm, sure. I'm trying to talk around this so I don't spoil anything for people, and um, I was I was just disappointed. So for some of you, you might not care, Eric. You might not care. I know I, I warned you about it, but um, just in case you guys were thinking about it, just take that just as a word of caution. If you want to, go for it. If not, hey, there you go. I mean, I've I've, I've said my piece. I don't want to beat a dead horse. I just wanted to put that out there regarding the soundtrack because I love Star Trek music and like I said, I, I made a big case for the importance of it in our first reaction episode. Yeah, I think I think I think just what you said, just be forewarned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I want to know nothing ahead of time. I want to everything all at once as I'm as I'm getting it. Yeah. I want nothing ahead of time. Yeah, and and what I'm getting, what I'm, if I haven't stated it clearly, it's the track names on the soundtrack that kind of spoil things, is really what I'm getting at. So, anyway, well, um, I think we're, I think we've covered everything for this particular episode, unless I'm somehow forgetting something. No, I think we covered this very well. I think we both came away from this episode really enjoying it, really liking it. And honestly, right now, I'm going to say I'm more excited now than I was before episode one. Because I think this setup is was done very well. I think, I think these first three episodes have just very well. They've set up a great story, introduced us to some really interesting characters. And I'm just really, really excited to see where this was going. I had some worries before it started but all of those worries that i had have been dispelled absolutely yeah yeah and and i'm right there with you i'm really really excited about this like just seeing what they've done with these this first act and um and where they're going to go and or what the possibilities are and if any of our theories pay off of course that'd be cool too but i'm not going to hold my breath either yeah me neither (laughs) i've already said my piece on that yeah yeah all right, guys. Uh, well, again, thank you, Eric. Uh, thank you to all the listeners that have been tuning in to uh, engage. Thank you for engaging with us. And, uh, you know, we'll be having uh, more TRTV news dropping uh, on Friday. 
And then we'll also be having our next uh, regular episode of These Are the Voyages dropping on the uh, 17th of February. So keep an eye out for that. If you haven't subscribed, uh, please do so. You can do that on Podbean, which is where we host. There's a Podbean app. Just type in These Are the Voyages and hit follow. And boom, you'll automatically get a download whenever we have a new episode. You can also do that on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever the heck you listen to podcasts. Now, remember, you can always get in contact with us. Um, you can do that by you know following us on all the socials or at TRTVPod on Instagram, Twitter, and even Facebook. We have a page and a group. We'd love to connect with you there. And um, again, if you want to get in contact with us directly, you can open Hailing Frequencies and send that in to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also um, uh, send us a voice-only communication to 817-752-4757. That's 817-752-4757. There's a three-minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode. So keep that in mind. And finally, if you do want to write to us, send us um, one of those old-school messages. You can do so by sending it to the Lone Star Station. P.O. Box 2455, Azle, Texas. That's A-Z-L-E 76098. Guys, once again, we want to thank you for engaging. And as always, may you boldly go and make it so.